Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we have today in our Gospel a very challenging parable from the Gospel of Matthew. You know, things are getting darker in the liturgical year. We're getting toward the end of the liturgical year. We're only a few weeks away from Advent. We're getting toward the end of the Gospel of Matthew, and things are getting darker because we're getting closer to the Passion. So some of these stories now take on a more somber tint. This parable is about a king who gives a wedding banquet for his son. Listen how it begins. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Here's a very common biblical motif. We've seen it often before the motif of the wedding feast. The authors of the Bible, both Old Testament and New, couldn't find a more apt metaphor for the coming together of divinity and humanity than the wedding banquet. The marriage of heaven and earth, the wedding of divinity and humanity, surrounded by joy, peace, celebration, and good food. Mind you, A bad meal caused our problem. Go back to the book of Genesis. What caused the problem of the human race but the seizing of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? A bad meal ruptured the relationship between us and divinity. And so, curiously, throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, it's the establishment of a good meal, the banquet, the celebration that symbolizes the healing of the rift. We can hear it, of course, in the first reading for today, taken from a wonderful passage from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Listen. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy rich food and pure choice wines. What's the mountain of the Lord? Mount Zion, Jerusalem, the heavenly city, the place of union, the place of celebration. What's God going to provide here? A great meal, a wedding banquet, rich food, choice wines. There it is, the Old Testament hope, the Old Testament longing for union. And now we come to Jesus. Jesus embodies in his public ministry this dream. He makes it a reality. In everything he says, everything he does, Jesus acts in the very person of God. This hope of the Old Testament now becomes in him a reality. Notice, please, throughout the Gospels, what does Jesus typically do? He sits down at table and he invites everybody. The society of Jesus' time was very stratified, divided by social class, divided according to clean and unclean, various religious divisions. Jesus, in his table fellowship 
overcomes these divisions, inviting rich and poor, inviting those who are crippled, those who are well, inviting the religious outcasts and those who are inside. They're all welcome. He's the host of this wedding banquet. He's the one spreading out on the mountain of the Lord of hosts this feast of rich food and choice wines. Now, take it one step further. We are Eucharistic people. What do we do week after week, day after day, in the liturgy? We eat and drink with the Lord Jesus. We come together, called by him. When the priest says, the Lord be with you, and you answer, and also with you, we're signaling the fact that we're not just gathering in our own name for our own purposes. Rather, we're being gathered by Christ. We commune with him. We sit with him. We listen to his word. So Christ is the word who speaks through the whole of the Bible. We listen to him. And then, at the climactic moment of the Mass, he becomes really present to us as food and drink. And then we eat this banquet. Isaiah's dream, the longing of the Old Testament, comes true precisely in Jesus, precisely in the liturgy. Now, friends, in light of all this, go back to the first line of the parable. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Who's the king but God the Father? who so loved the world that he gave his only son. But listen, he wants this son to have a wedding feast. He wants all sorts of guests to arrive and to celebrate in him and with him. This is the church. The parable is talking about God's gift of his son and then the church gathered around the son in a great wedding banquet. It's a Eucharistic theme. Now, that's the opening line. But listen how the parable goes on. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. There is hardly a line in the New Testament that is more tragic, that's sadder than that line. He dispatched his servants. Who are they? The prophets, the patriarchs, the kings, the great religious spokespeople. Go up and down salvation history. Go into our own time. He sends out his servants to summon invited guests to the feast. That's you, that's me. We're the invited guests. We've been summoned by the Father to the wedding banquet of the Son to eat and drink in friendly communion with God. But they refuse to come. That's it. That's maybe the saddest line in the New Testament. Are you being invited to this wedding banquet all the time? Every minute, every moment, God who pervades all things, God who speaks through all things, he's spending his time inviting you to the wedding banquet. What form might it take? It might take the form of these words you're hearing right now through the radio, through the computer. I don't know how you're hearing these words now. But maybe these words are inviting you to come to the feast. Maybe it's the priest you heard last week in his sermon. Maybe it's that Bible you picked up a while ago and found so moving. 
Maybe it was that preacher you heard on TV. You were just flipping through the channels, and you came to a preacher, and you heard some words that touched your heart. Maybe that was God inviting you to the feast. Maybe it's that very holy person who lives in your neighborhood, whose life just seems beautiful and compelling to you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a sunset, a beautiful day, a time when you're just so grateful to be alive. All these things, all these moments can be God summoning you to the wedding banquet of his son to come, to sit down, to eat and drink with the father and the son. But many refused to come. Listen, some ignored the invitation and went away. One to his farm, another to his business. Do you ever invite someone to a party and they don't even respond to you? How hurtful that is. How insulting that is. It hurts your feelings, doesn't it? You leave a phone message for somebody. They don't even bother calling you back. You know how, how kind of devastating that is. This parable is helping us to feel the feelings of God as God invites us and we don't respond. One to his farm, another to his business. Nothing wrong with farms, nothing wrong with businesses. But what are our priorities? Do we say, well, Lord, I know I'm being invited to intimacy with you. I know I'm being invited to the liturgy of the sun. I know all that. But, you know, I'm so preoccupied with my business interests. I'm so preoccupied with all these things that are pressing upon me. I don't have time for it. What are your priorities? This kind of indifferentism to the call or this lack of prioritization, that can mean the death of religion in you. That can mean the death of the spiritual life in you. That's what this parable is trying to put its finger on is this poignant tragedy of our running away from the most beautiful, important invitation we will ever receive. Listen now as the parable gets even darker. Some laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, killed them. Well, there's the story of Israel in some ways, isn't it? The Lord sends his prophets and they're mistreated, in some cases killed by the people. Well, I don't think we're killing our religious representatives, you know, but are we sometimes, by our ridicule, publicly humiliating them, making fun of them, ignoring them aggressively? Are we at times being quite cruel to those whom God sends to us? Here's a line from Flannery O'Connor, one of my favorite writers, as you know. She said, My stories are almost always about the offer of grace usually refused. That's what this parable is about, isn't it? That God is offering us his grace, but how often we refuse it. Don't is what the parable is saying. Don't. Now listen as it closes. The king says, Go out, therefore, into the main roads, invite to the feast whomever you find. And they gathered bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. So the first guest didn't respond. The first invitees didn't respond. Well, okay, our Lord is a gathering God. He's relentless in his grace, relentless in his invitation. So out he goes again, gathering in from the highways and byways, the good and bad alike. We don't come crawling to God in our religion, but how odd it is to say God comes crawling to us, the relentlessness of God's grace. So he fills the banquet hall. But then this very odd ending to the parable. The king comes among his guests, 
he notices someone who's not properly dressed, does not have the wedding garment on. He says, friend, how is it you came in here without a wedding garment? When the man has nothing to say, the king throws him out. Look, the first thing that can go wrong in the spiritual life is we refuse the invitation. There's the first part of the parable. The first basic problem is we hear the word and we don't respond to it. We don't prioritize. We have so many other things to do. Now, what's the second great tragedy in the spiritual life? The second thing that can go wrong is I do respond to the invitation. I say, yes, Lord, I want intimacy with you. But then I don't change. Grace comes first. Yes, of course it does. Our response is elemental. Yes, I want into the banquet. But then, Christians, listen, we must change. The man must put on the wedding garment so that he can properly enter into the celebration. The wedding garment here stands for the transformation of our lives. It means, in Paul's language, putting on love, putting on justice, putting on forgiveness of enemies, putting on nonviolence, putting on the form of Jesus Christ. The point here is, you can't just come to the banquet and remain unchanged. No, no. Conversion stands at the very center of this project. So as I close, let's examine our consciences here. Have we been responding to the invitations God is sending out all the time to us? Do we hear the invitation and then say, I'm too busy? Second point of examination. Once we've responded, we've said yes, have we been willing to change? Have we been willing to accept conversion? Reread this parable, meditate on it, pray with it, and ask yourself those two very basic questions. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.